welcome to a new episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Before we dive in in uh, today's episode, I wanted to ask you uh, to subscribe to our channel. It could be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, we're everywhere. Why? Because every single week there are fantastic guests coming on the podcast and notification can help you just to be updated on the new episodes out there. Hey, Gigi, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to chat with you today. Absolutely. First of all, as I was telling you, like, you know, in the, in the pre-call, love that you have the microphone, the headphone on. I can see that you have, this is not your first rodeo, right? When it comes to podcasting and all these three type yeah. of things. So I, I love it. Uh, the voice is crisp. So thank you for yeah, being, you know. Of course. Right? Yeah. This is, I think this is, this might be around my 90th podcast I've been on. I have a playlist on Spotify. You can go listen to the podcasts I've been on. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's getting up there near 100 guested episodes, which is kind of wild. Amazing. When uh, when have you started? And then we're going to go more about you. But like, uh, when did you start doing all these podcast appearances? Um, In 2020, like in like September, October, November. December 2020 and then into 2021 and uh really I think I did about 50 in 20 I got close to 50 in 2021 last year I focused more on quality over quantity and then this year uh is is a little bit of the same but you know the the higher the the caliber of the show the more weight your words hold in some ways and the more people you can reach and so it's just a slow slow process but I'm really excited to be here Fantastic. Thank you for being here. And first of all, so who is Gigi? What, what do you do? What, what are you doing lately? How did you start your career? Uh, t- tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different directions I could go here, but I uh, will give you the long story short. I went to LaGuardia High School of Music and Art here in New York City. So I have always been immersed in art and have known what it means to truly like find your passion and follow it. I then went on to the University of Southern California for both my BFA and my Master's of Science, and I just finished that in December of 2022. So I've got those two degrees under my belt now. And when I was an undergrad in Los Angeles, I joined a social media club called USC Reach, which is focused on building a community for creators, which is now six years old, believe it or not, which is sometimes I can't believe it, that I was in the founding class of the first people to ever go through it. And that was six years ago. And uh, so I really took my passion for photography and started shooting for brands. And when someone didn't show up one day, I stepped in and did uh, both of the work on setting the ad up to be shot and then also standing in his talent. And uh, I just kind of stuck with it throughout college. I did about 13 different brand ambassador field marketing roles, which I don't know how they exist in a post-COVID world, but When I did it, it was all about throwing parties and getting people to download the app or in the product or using the product, whatever that is, uh, to really just be the and be the voice of the brand, be an extension of it, be the representative on campus. And it was like paid work and then also paid to post like a social media post per week as well. So that kind of got my feet wet with these partnerships. And then I when I graduated in 2020 with my undergrad, I enrolled in my master's degree, started my LLC and graduated and told my parents that I wasn't going to be getting a full-time job all in the same day or like the same week. And they were like, 
oh my God. And I was like, no, 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 trust me, it's going to be fine. Just it'll happen. It'll work out. And I think part of that has really just been a lot of persistence over the past two and a half years and really just focusing on my mission, uh, which is spreading positivity and mindset shifts to as many people as possible and talking about the hard things like health issues, mental and physical health issues uh, and confidence issues and really shifting the world around that. And some projects I'm working on now, I actually am going to be having a book come out in the next couple of months. So uh, it's a children's book. So definitely stay, stay, keep your eyes peeled for that. And I am just going to different universities talking about social media literacy and creator economy, but also about patient leadership. So those are my two big projects right now, but there's a lot in the pipeline. Fantastic. First of all, uh, congratulations on all the things that you're up to. And what I like, and that's, you know, why also it's this this episode, I would like to go in in two main, I would say, categories here. So one is the, the business of being a content creator, ambassador, influencer. Uh, and then we're going to go more in the body confidence moment, right, that, that you were now mentioning. And what I like when you say that you're like quite busy with all these different things that you're up to, um, I think it's uh, really great because finally, uh, in the past years, uh, people are finally seeing that people online are not just, you know, a face that is promoting things or talking about only, you know, things that really like superficial, maybe topics, you know, you can do much more. And, and then, as you said before, like you created an LLC, we're going to go into that in, in a, in a second, like you can actually move from and shift from just merely being again, someone that is on social media actually create a company right you can you can have a a group of people helping you out you can have assistance you can you can like again multiply yourself right yeah and finally was showing that even more young people are doing that so first of all let's let's go a bit more in detail there right so let's talk about like how you and others are going from like again being either a content creator or an influencer or for example in college like an ambassador for certain you know, companies uh, to having this professional mindset and be like, you know what, I'm going to create an LLC, right? Uh, yeah. And then I'm going to do things in a certain way. How did you, how did you, first of all, find out slash how did you came up with the idea? Like, you know what, I'm going to open a company. Yeah, there's a couple of things here. And in a lot of ways, like you don't necessarily need a traditional education to really learn these things. However, I do think that my time at USC really kind of informed a lot of these decisions of making smart moves when you're building a business as well as different things that are necessary to simply not get in trouble uh, when you start making money in alternative ways. And, uh, you know, especially when I was in art school, it was all about like learning about freelance business and what to do. And as an artist, you would need to do the exact same thing, um, start some kind of company, create a production studio, uh, whatever that would look like. And so I decided to just call my parents' accountant. And I was like, hey, <laughs> I've made about 20K in, in you know, brand deals and I'm getting these 1099 forms or, uh, you know, and, and some W-2s for my internships. And this was the first year I was doing it like part-time. And uh, they were like, yeah, like you're gonna need to pay taxes on that. Like, you know, here's what you need to do. Here's how you set it up. And so I really just I, I called the accountant and was like, can you set me up? And they're like, well, what are you? And I was like, I guess I'm a media company, but I'm also kind of like 
an agency, but I'm also kind of like production and I'm also kind of creative media. So I don't know. And I'm also like like a public figure and I do public speaking. And they're like, so what should we categorize this as? And I was like, I don't know. Like, this is your job, not mine. Uh, so they basically helped me set up that LLC. I think they filed it under like a media company. And uh, that's because of the breadth of different kinds of projects that were going on. But again, like I was really fearless and just like going out of my way to ask, you know, people that know what they're doing to help me. And I think that's really important. But I know for a lot of these creators that maybe they blow up overnight and they get really big, you know, and then they get signed to an agency uh, departments in these talent agencies will help them get that all squared away or their talent manager will do that. Um, or, you know, something like uh, United Talent has United Ventures, which helps people, for example, like Emma Chamberlain start Chamberlain Coffee and really diversify their business outside of their model of social media. And I'm, I'm not at that level in any way, but I think it's great to know those kinds of things do exist when you get to a certain level and there are people and teams in place to help you really like scale that way. So that's just kind of uh, something that I, I really thought about. But I mean, to, to learn about taxes and to learn about bookkeeping and what softwares to use. I mean, I use QuickBooks. It's very kind of like plug and play. You put your rates in, you can make an invoice real quick. You can get paid direct deposit. Um, you know, you can you see your cash flow. You can get contractors. You can generate invoices and uh, the send out the 1099s. And so I think it's it's important to take the time to look into that. But there isn't really a guidebook on what I think works. And so it's definitely really interesting, I think, to just kind of like think about that uh, whole situation and how most creators, that, <laughs> at least that I know, like they just pocket all the money and like take the money without saving for taxes. And they're like, I'm making just as much as I've made in my corporate job because of these three contracts. And I'm like, but are you saving a third of that or half of that, like for your expenses and your taxes? And they're like, oh, no, no, like I, that that doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, like it really does. Like it really does. And hopefully over time, we'll just get better at kind of teaching people and there will be more knowledge around that. No, absolutely. I mean, as you said correctly before, you know, it's so new for majority of the people, even for accountants, that it's difficult for them to categorize yeah. you somehow, right? Uh, so first of all, there is a not education about that. And this, uh, yeah, like, you know, reminds me, for example, uh, when, uh, you know, as uh, something similar, like people that um, get into like sports, professionally speaking, they're also quite young and they start seeing all this influx of money. They don't yeah. know how to manage it. And majority of the people, of course, if they don't have like a manager or someone that can help them, like, you know, managing their finances, they usually go broke in a few years. And right. that's also what happens sometimes to content creators and influencers. Like if they don't know how to manage their finances, it's, it's crazy. If you have any, uh, anyone helping you out right now, like for example, assistance, uh, do you have a group with you helping you out? And secondly, uh, when do you right. think that someone should yeah. add either an assistant or also a virtual assistant? Like in the past days, especially with remote work, there are so many virtual assistants that you can get, like, you know, even oversee, like, what is your approach when it comes to that? Like, is it for everyone only after a certain number of uh, brand deals plus sponsorship? Is it just to help you out? What is your approach when it comes to getting help with someone, like from someone else in your own company? Hey, quick break. 
This podcast is hosted by the Influencer Marketing Factory. We are an influencer marketing agency that helps brands and companies engage with Gen Z and millennials on social media. We take care of influencer identification, storytelling, creativity, negotiation, contracting, campaign management, error analysis, in-depth reporting, code and boosting, and much, much more. Are you interested in learning more? You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or you can Google The Influencer Marketing Factory. Totally. So I actually have a team of six women working with me and it's really exciting that I'm able to do that. I actually mostly work with new grads and also college women. So I want this to be an experience where they could do this as a part-time job for let's say like 40 to 50 hours a month. So very part-time for them, but uh, invested enough. And I, I think the biggest thing is you need to get that help like only when, if and when you get to a point where you can't do what you do best. Like I can't do all of my payroll. I can't do all of my video editing and still show up at events and be on and speak in with with my full energy. And so I think that just kind of keeping that in in mind. Um, I never worked with a purely virtual assistant. I, you know, worked with someone that I knew from USC. And then it kind of was like word of mouth where after that, then it would, you know, I would, I would go and work with someone that they would recommend. And so like when they were done with the semester, I guess. And so overall, it's, it's very personal. It's personal decision. But for me, like I, I don't have millions of followers. I have just under 500,000 followers across all my platforms. And I I have a team of six and that's what helps me do what I do best. Um, I also think it's important to just make sure that like for me, I needed to delegate video editing because I needed speed. I needed to get more videos out quicker and somebody else who's trained in, you know, Premiere or Final Cut is going to do it much faster than me editing it on InShot on my phone. Um, not that I can, I, I got a BFA in production and, you know, I, I learned all of this stuff. And so it's not that I couldn't do it. It's just that to do it at the level that I needed to get it done, it was going to take me an hour or two and an hour or two of my time, I think is more valuable spent researching on things that I could talk more intelligently about when I'm on a panel or on a podcast or um, even in person meeting someone then it would be spending my time video editing. And so it's really uh, my friend London Lazarson said this to me when I interviewed him on my podcast was, uh, you know, delegation is key. And the more structure that you have, the less burnout that you'll have and the less structure, the more burnout. And so therefore, if you delegate tasks to other people and have a structure in place, you all collectively won't burn out. Uh, if you're you're being honest and you each have things going on and that's what it means to run a team and a lot of people don't know this a lot of creators don't even know where to go with a lot of a lot of their their business building skills and I I think there's so much to learn I mean with sending out like tax forms and uh, for for contractors and getting your expenses in and getting hitting all those deadlines like those aren't things that even you, you get reminded about you have to remind yourself and you have to know that and teach that to yourself or have an accountant or a CPA remind you and so it's just there's a lot um, going on but yeah ultimately like I said it's when you've reached a point where you can't do what you do best that you need to get help 
I, I think it makes absolute sense. I was also talking with other content creators, of course, in the past years, and more or less they told me the same. If you, especially about also the passion that got you into that, if you start losing the passion and it's mostly like bureaucracy and like editing just because you have to do more content after a while, you're removing the passion out of it and people can see it, right? The content start becoming a bit less interesting, yourself you get burned out, you know, I feel that people notice. So yeah. let me ask you this, you talk about like, you know, the editing, all the taxes and so on. What about brand deals? Are you still the person in charge of that? We have someone that help you out, and uh, and usually let me let's go also more about the also the negotiation because uh, you know we we both have brands listening, marketers, but also some content creators. It would be nice mm-hmm. uh, to have like your opinion on how to negotiate a brand deal when it comes to maybe an influencer marketing campaign uh, because I'm pretty sure that people want want to know that. Yeah, I would say that probably like eighty percent of brand deals are inbound into my inbox from the brand and then we negotiate uh the 20 percent is pitching and you do pitch a lot and that's what a manager would be doing or that's what a talent agent would be doing is bringing you those opportunities at the expense of between you know 15 and 20 to 25 percent at times and uh i think personally like if you can manage those negotiations and if you've built a team to the point where you have uh, kind of enough space in there to negotiate these deals yourself, I think that's really great. However, the caveat is sometimes that brands, uh, you know, will take advantage of the fact that you're a creator and try to like leverage, at least in my experience, they'll try to leverage like, oh, well, other creators at this this level are charging less or, or half your rate. And so therefore you know, you should lower your rate and your value for us. And I think that that's really predatory. Um, And at the same time, I've seen the other side of things where I've seen talent agents in it. And they've been like, yeah, like, Gigi, you should change your your vertical and make more get ready with me so you can get into beauty because there's more money in beauty than there is in, you know, lifestyle or wellness. And I'm like, I'm not going to change my integrity just so that you can make a buck. Like, that's not happening. And Unfortunately, I think they do prey on newer creators that are emerging and they don't know what they're doing. So those new creators don't know about negotiating and they trust that someone else is going to do it with a good intention. And then it's really only the talent agent or the talent manager is being that broker when something comes inbound to you and not necessarily bringing you things. And this is just from my personal experience in the past, but uh, not to say that I'm not hopeful that there are good people out there. I just think, you know, there is a potential for uh, a lot of shady stuff to happen. But again, like I also pitch a lot of the time and a lot of that is through authentic networking. I have about like I make custom decks for each brand that I pitch to. Um, so I made like a really awesome deck that I pitched to the Nikon team because I've been shooting Nikon for years and years and years. And this came because uh, I was connected to this lady on LinkedIn. She viewed my profile and I nearly flipped out because I literally have Nikon cameras all around, like literally next to me almost at all times. And, uh, you know, I sent her this pitch and my story and my ideas. And uh, then she was like, yeah, word, like we're we're in a Japanese calendar because it's a Japanese brand uh, for finance and stuff. So the contract won't be coming until that that year starts. But Otherwise, like definitely keep your inbox open. So 
and that happened simply because I was authentic to myself and my brand. So um, how did negotiation go for something like that? I mean, a lot of the time it's like, hey, we have this thing like here, like, are you interested? And you're like, yeah, cool. And they're like, okay, here's an NDA to sign. And then they're like, okay, here's kind of like the content that we're thinking, send us your rates. And then you're like, oh, but what's your budget? And they're like, they'll either dance, they'll give you a budget and they'll say, oh, here's what we're thinking. You're like, oh, my rates are actually this. Could you meet me here? Or they'll dance around and say, hey, can you, we really need your rates so that we can like see what kind of content, um, you know, we could really fill. So sometimes let's say the budget's $10,000 and normally uh, with no usage rights and normally you charge $6,000 for a reel um, with a cross posting to TikTok maybe and like a set of stories they might go with you versus if your friend says oh I'm $20,000 for that uh, they're going to choose sometimes the person that goes less or they'll be like yeah we'll meet you at 10000 for only one of those deliverables so I think it's it's really helpful um, for the brands to also be flexible with with the talent. Um, and then one other thing I talked to, you know, a lot of people at PR agencies who are doing these negotiations really for on behalf of the brands. Um, the biggest thing they said is that response rate, like they were like, you would be surprised at how people just don't freaking respond. Like it will take them a week to respond to like an in inquiry. And for me, I'm always someone that's like, if it's interesting, I'm going to respond within the day uh, because I don't want the opportunity to pass me by. And she said, the reason why we love you and why we keep working with you and sending you things is because you respond so quickly. And so I think uh, that's really good versus here's the caveat. If you work with an agent or a manager, a lot of the times it will take a month to be redlining the contract and going back and forth about the read. And it's like so much politics that ends up happening behind the scenes between the agents and the PR agencies that I think it's just like a lot. Um, so right now I am flying solo in terms of brand partnerships and I don't work with a talent manager at the moment. Uh, I get it. I think that uh, it, it can happen, especially for those like talent agencies that have hundreds or thousands, right? So uh, again, you know, go more into the Again, the, the different layers between you, the brand, right? So it's, uh, of, of course, a bit complex. Uh, for example, in our case, uh, we also do, the, you know, representation. And we have, you know, some tens, right, of, of, of people, you know, between actually now 20 and 30. And I can see that at that size, uh, it's still doable. Like, you know, to have a good, yeah. uh, right, the good uh, ratio between, uh, you know. So I totally get it. Like some people prefer to go solo. Some others want to go maybe to the big agency and then they feel find out that maybe it was not that amazing as they thought. So for each person, right, for each different influencer, it depends, right? Depending what do they yeah. want to do, how they want to manage their, their life. And uh, and I also want to ask you, because you said something before about, uh, you know, you don't want necessarily to do a type of content just because, you know, there is maybe more money involved. So how do you choose the type of content that you want to create? Yeah, definitely a fantastic question. I think talking about passion and really finding what fuels your fire and what, uh, you know, makes you fulfilled when you're creating content is the most important thing. I think if you reach a point where you kind of stop uh, being fulfilled with your content and you're not enjoying it, you have to change something, you have to iterate, and you also have to be okay with that over time. But for me personally, like I found photography so long ago and it was always about pulling out the confidence in other people and 
over time, I had to learn how to have confidence within myself to really help other people find that within themselves too. And so it's always been a mission of mine through my creative outlet to empower others. And um, I just kind of found different lanes, whether that is empowering people who are struggling with health issues to set firmer boundaries and be more confident in themselves as they are, whether that's uh, helping younger people uh, be more confident with their body, whether that is in general, just being more confident with setting boundaries and being more positive with yourself. I think there's a lot that goes into it and it's different for everybody. Uh, but I, I personally think you have to, when you're starting out, test a lot. You know, I did a lot of different unboxing videos for a while and like loved unboxing and was like, I made it about, you know, oh, this is like how this unboxing makes me feel or this is what unboxing helps me with my confidence or so on and so forth. But it was never really something that like wanted it, really, it never really stuck because it felt empty in some ways. And so I just think that over over time, you'll figure it out. It's it's hard to choose. But at the same time, I've seen friends kind of stick with something. I have a friend, uh, Dasam, and she basically went out and was like, yeah, like I want to make uh, New York City racks as she's exploring and getting to know New York. And so she just started a page where she's completely just going to different places in New York City and making the same kind of video, the same format, staying consistent. And over time, that does well because people love consistency, regardless of what you choose. And and now that you found your your topic, right? Uh, or at least you find what uh, you love to produce and send it out and people are enjoying that. How do you manage now like uh, your let's say your weekly scheduling for example do you already know what you're gonna go and make for the next seven days is it one month of already like sort of agenda is it three months like how do you really manage that again going back that now we have a, a team helping you out for example yeah definitely i think you know i talk a lot with my executive assistant and she helps remind me to do invoices and to send out certain pitch emails and things like that and deadlines when I have to get them done or reminders because I am on so many different podcasts. And usually I, I do book out podcasts like farther in advance than, um, you know, a couple of days. Like I, I try a week or two weeks or three weeks even sometimes. And that really helps me because I have it in my schedule. And, you know, I think people are very, uh, flexible hopefully in today's day and age where it's like if you if you can't do it now like maybe you'll be able to do it in the future and you can always be flexible if you need to be but uh yeah ultimately just really I do schedule in time for writing briefs taking meetings talking with my team as well as like getting lunch and getting my hair done and going to doctor's appointments and all that because it is really important at the end of the day to like take care of all of that um so yeah you said that you organize your week, uh, you are really like into the body confidence movement that you are like now advocate for. And, you know, you, I can see that you care about that as a topic. What about also like mental health and also the burnout that you said before? So the, the question for the burnout is mostly more about the content creators, but uh, I guess the mental health is also something quite hard as a topic. What is the conversation that you usually have also with your followers? Because social media, you can use it not just as a unilateral communication, but you have conversation with them. Does it ever happen to you that you actually had people maybe asking you more in-depth questions after that you shared videos about, for example, mental health? 
Definitely. I think it, in a way, opens my content to a lo- potentially a lot of judgment from others. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about how is it going to help other people? What can people gain from this? How can they reframe something in a positive way that maybe wasn't as positive before? And how can we um, learn from something instead of digging the hole deeper for ourselves? And so for me, the emotional, I think, trigger with my my content in the storytelling is it's about persistence. It's about getting through hard times and coming out and proving to the world that you can still do hard things and and still live a good life and a happy, positive um, attitude. And so, you know, my choice to talk about things on the internet really came from feeling like I couldn't talk to people in my life about it because they didn't go through the same thing. And I just think that it was something that happened naturally. And I think right now there's a lot of conversations about creators being like burnout. I mean, look at the D'Amelio show and you see the pressure that these girls are on and, uh, you know, they're crying and everything. And that that definitely happens for a lot of creators. Um, What I, I don't necessarily think is always great about that is it's like then people are like recording when they're having their hardest times and, you know, they're they're making a video because it's a trend to show a glow up of like, I wasn't doing well and like now I'm doing so much better. And it's like, are you making that for a trend? Are you making that so that you can show it? Does it help you truly feel that growth? And so I get a little bit worried about people sharing uh, a lot online because of that. But at the same time, like I've I've taken those kinds of videos and documented my experience in a way that I think is really conducive to my mission of empowering people to take control of their health. And if that means making a silly video about it, then okay. You know, like I think people need to do the best they can with what they have. And if their coping mechanism is creative and they're doing it a certain way, then like I I don't want to judge them. I also think there are severe issues with not having enough um, knowledge around certain things. I think a big issue is people talking about mental health in a way that isn't necessarily healthy. I think that there's a lot more that could be done and there's a lot more integration from the platform side of things of using different uh, using different resources and different organizations that are meant to help support mental health initiatives like nonprofits like the Jed Foundation, the Mental Health Coalition, so on and so forth. There's so many of them that should be working with creators to provide resources that can be like, yeah, like if you're struggling here, reach out, right? Like I think those are really, really important things that we're just not talking about we're not implementing and I think on the brand side of things we also have to think about just the this is for brands and creators but I think brands especially is remember that if you are working as a social media manager a campaign manager and you make a campaign and it does so well immediately your dopamine levels are going to go up they're going to skyrocket right it's gonna be like wow it did so well it generated millions of followers or millions of views and this is like amazing and then The next one you do might flop and you might be like, wow, I'm such a failure. I I didn't do well. Like I and and it's going to your self-esteem is going to plummet. 
your confidence plummets. And overall, it just creates this like super high, low, high, low in the industry. And this happens again, both on the creator side and on the brand side. I've worked on both. And it is very damaging. And we're not talking about this enough. And I think that we need to figure out how to how to manage this and how to address this because it's it's definitely a really frightening moment, I think, that we're living through where our self-worth is dictated by the work that we're doing because of metrics. And I think this has existed with TV and billboard and, you know, all those kinds of advertisements for a while. I just think because it's accessible right here all the time, it's different than if you were to go and clock in at your desk and look at the numbers and analyze with a team, why didn't this work? It's mostly like, oh, the algorithm just didn't choose you today. And I just, I think it's, I just think it's, it's a big, it's a big kind of issue we need to, to look at and talk about. And have you find a way for yourself, any tips or tricks that maybe work for you for any of these moments that you want yeah. to share with the others? Yeah, I would say don't take things personally in the same way that if somebody says something that maybe they don't mean or if you were like, hey, can you hang out? And someone's like, no, sorry, I'm just like totally wiped out. Like it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with somebody else not having the the energy in the moment. And I think in the same way that can be true for social media where like you put your heart and soul into something and you have an emotional tie to it because you're like, this is my baby. This is my campaign. I've been working on it for months and months and months. And then it like ends up not working out. Um, it can be really like soul crushing and damaging. And so I think when we invest so much emotion into our work, that is a downfall is we can we can let it kind of affect us. And so uh, just, yeah, don't take things too personally. And then uh, also like keep it stupid, simple, right? Or simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Both of them work that way. Like just just put it up there see what happens. If it does well, it does well. If it doesn't do well, you move on. You're going to forget about this in a month or a year or two years from now. And then the next thing I would say is also like really take that time to put your phone on do not disturb and don't like don't always be invested in it. I leave my phone on do not disturb now. I, I didn't do that before this year. Um, I just didn't really understand what the hype was. But in doing it, I've been able to really protect like myself from being so inundated with information. Like we're not meant to be accessible all the time. We're not meant to be receiving so many likes and comments and views. And so it's only it's I think it's only a matter of time before we come up with a digital uh, you know, handbook that's going to really be something that people are able to reference and use as a, as a method to protect their mental health. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like, you know, many people are saying when you wake up, you shouldn't check your phone for maybe the first hour, right? Yeah. Go out, take a walk, something else. Easy to say, difficult to do, I would say, right? Because yeah. I'm also guilty yeah. waking up, check social media, check Me too. Out. you want that, Me too. right? That rush of like, you know, dopamine there, like, and that is like, Oh, look at this notification. You always want something more, right? So I, I, I agree on that. You want a good balance. And uh, to start wrapping up yeah. on the episode, anything, Gigi, that I haven't asked you today that are either super excited that you do with social media or anything that is like maybe um, 
something that people don't know and that they should look at, you know. So I'm just like, you know, picking your brain here and see if there's anything else you would like to add. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a lot of work to be done for uh, the true voice of the creator, right? I think there's a lot of companies out there that say they're making, they're creating more money in the creator economy by just lowering the barrier to entry and making it easier for people to get, uh, you know, jobs or gigs that are a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. That isn't really productive to the entire environment because overall it's going to lead to an oversaturation of people entering the creator economy making content that's somewhat empty or just because it's a brand deal that they could get for a couple hundred dollars instead of hiring a creator that's maybe truly aligned right like with this whole new UGC era this is about getting cheap work quick that's what UGC is um in in my eyes I don't always think the storytelling's on par I don't always think that there's a true creator behind it. Are people talented at producing quick videos? Yes, but I think uh, true people that are doing this for their job should be the ones working with the brands who uh, are, are truly going to tell a story for the brand that's unique, that's unique to the audience, that is personable and overall provides like a really nice ad space. And so I always say like leave more space for women, invest in women, invest in people of color when you're doing these different marketing campaigns and don't always go with the same people. Test new new influencers out because I think that there is enough room for everybody. You just have to be interested in offering it to everybody respectfully. I think there's a long, long way that we have to go. And a lot of times when there are people that are, you know, look a certain way they're going to choose those same certain influencers to do those campaigns and uh that that look like them that relate to them and that's not the entire market so i really just think we need to continue to also diversify and yeah invest in women i love the message absolutely inclusion and diversity especially influencer marketing can go a long way so thank you for sharing uh these thoughts absolutely um believe in that as well uh, Gigi, congratulations on everything that you created so far and good luck with everything that you have opened. I can see they are really busy with a lot of things. Uh, love to see in that. And again, uh, uh, thank you also for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, this was uh, another episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. And I'll see you in the next episode.